Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today is book club. We're doing it a little early this month because we are taking two weeks off at the end of the month. Yeah, but we're so excited. We're discussing a great book. We read a YA thriller this month called The Cousins by Karen McManus. But before we get into it, today's episode is sponsored by Night, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow and the face mask that we have in very heavy rotation. Some exciting news. You can take 20% off site-wide with code BOP20. So, Grace, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I appreciate having the podcast so much more now that you're in Charleston because I feel like this is our catch-up sesh. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm good. Things have been good. Um, what can I tell you? I cooked a big dinner for my family last night. That I was saw fun. that. Yeah, we had wine and asparagus and I made a big veggie pasta and um, a big salad. It was nice. It was so fun to just have my mom and my dad and my sister and my brother-in-law and little Zoe over. I now have also have like a toy chest for Zoe because she comes and visits me every day. Aw. Yeah. My mom takes care of her and um, they – like we live five minutes away now, so um, they walk over. It's it's the best. That's so cute. Yeah. How about you? Um. So I perhaps made the best dinner that I've ever cooked in my life on Saturday night. So oh, I saw that. So my I'll, I'm going to tell you my low first because it's kind of like tied in. So my low is that virus rates in New York are getting higher as they are most other places, and I think I'm like calling it on the outdoor life for now. So. You know, like no more dinners out, you know, just kind of like buckling down. Um, yeah. So on Saturday, Rachel's mom was visiting and Rachel and I are kind of a package deal at this point just because we live so close to each other and see each other all the time. So it was like if one of us has, the other does. And her mom hadn't seen anyone. So I had her mom over, both of them, I had them over for dinner because we were supposed to go out and we decided we didn't quite feel comfortable. And I made this, it was from the New York Times cooking site and it's it was their coco von recipe which i've never made before oh my god i love coco von well that's a lot of work that's like a meaty a big dish it was a it was a lot of work it wasn't hard though it was time intensive but it wasn't hard yeah it's just like yeah i was gonna say time intensive is the i'll make it for you when you're when you're back at some point this winter it was so good it was hands down the best thing i've ever cooked i am so impressed Thank you. So that's my high. And then as a second like mini high, um, last night I cajoled five of my friends into doing a Melissa Wood health challenge with me. I didn't invite you because it is on a group text that you're not on, but also because I feel like you already do Melissa Wood health every day. So Yeah, I do. So I love her work. It wouldn't be much change. But I feel like I've been in like a non-committed relationship with Melissa where I yeah. do it like once or twice a week. So I've just – I'm feeling so blah and especially as it gets colder, I'm just inside more and going for fewer walks. So I was like, I think I want to try to do it every day for a month and see what happens. Yeah. I think that's a great challenge. So today is day one and I'm very excited. I bought myself you- a workout outfit as a reward already. <laughs> I think you're supposed to give yourself the reward after you do the thing. Well, I know, but shipping times are so long that I feel like it'll come about halfway through and just when I need like a perk. Totally. I already did it today. My booty was blasted. Great. I have not done her today, but I'm going to do it when we finish recording. It's only 16 minutes. It's hard, but it's you can get through because it's only 16 minutes. Yeah. What's your low? Well, my my high. I didn't do my high yet. Oh, I thought your high was your family dinner. No, that was just a catch-up. Oh, my sorry. My high was that on Saturday, I went to Sullivan's Island. Um, and since I've been in Charleston, I really haven't been going out. Like, I go to my family's house or, um, like, my sister's house or my parents' house. But I went out to this place that I love in Sullivan's Island. It's called Home Team Barbecue. And they have the best pulled pork. Oh, they that sounds so good. Shockingly, really good salads, and um, they have this drink that I hadn't had in years, but like, I love it. It's called the Game Changer. What's in it? Do you think? Like eighteen different kinds of rum and cream, and like coconut and orange juice. It tastes like a creamsicle. Okay, it's very strong. I had one and a half, um, but it was really fun. It was fun to be outside drinking a frozen drink in December. 
That is fun. Yeah. So that was fun. And then, yeah, I guess my um, my other high would be dinner. And then I had my pajama launch on Monday. How did it go? I Really well. We are almost sold out of the green and white stripe set. And I think there's still a few sizes left in the tropical, like the jungle cat one. Oh, was there more of the jungle cat one? I thought that one would sell out way quicker. Um, I did too, because especially because it's winter and it's longer sleeves. But um, the we bought similar quantities of both, and the green and white one is selling faster. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Goes to show. What do we yeah. know? What do we know? Exactly. Yeah, it went really well. And it just was really fun to team up with a smaller brand that like because you can really make a difference for them like nina the founder is a one-person show like she doesn't even have an assistant she's the one packing up everyone's orders and doing everything so it was fun that's great yeah so now what about your low i don't have one oh okay um i think it would be the um charleston grace is just living the high life i mean i think it's definitely been colder here but that's not really a low it snowed here Um, today I saw that on your Instagram. I was like, weird. What is snow? It was kind of nice, actually, because it felt cozy, and then it kind of gave me a reason to be inside. I don't mind it. I hope it's a very snowy winter. Yeah. Although, can I can I run a problem by you? Yeah. Unrelated to anything having to do with this episode, am I going to start wearing Uggs again this winter? Like, I, I want a warm, slip-on winter shoe. What am I going to wear? I just got um, Blundstone boots, and I really like them. What are they? Blundstone boots. You can get them on um, Backcountry. Oh, I don't know what those are. They're good. They're like um, – it's like a Chelsea boot, and they're – I wouldn't say they're warm, but they're wa- weatherproof. Oh, I wonder if they have a version that has like fleece or something in it. And then I got – this is kind of a, a bougie pick, but I got – Winter boots from C by Chloe before I left. Okay. So and I think I was just looking at the exact same pair, but I could only find them in tan and I wanted black. Yeah. Mine are tan and they have a wedge heel. I'm surprised that because I feel like I always want to be in like a heel. Um, oh, no. These maybe aren't the same ones. These had like a small heel, but it wasn't a wedge. I think Sarah Flint has a good black pair. I don't know. They had them last year. I don't know if they did them this year. Okay. I'm going to look. This is my quest that I'm now on because today when it was snowing, I was like, well, after it stops, after we record, I was like, I want to go to Dwayne Reed. I was like, what shoes do I wear? Yeah. I think that – check out the Sarah Flint ones. Check out the the Bloodstone boots because they're really, really comfortable. I'm really – I'm on their site now. I'm really hoping that they have a version that has fleece in them because they don't look warm at all. Yeah, I don't think they're very warm. Okay. I wear like my big comfy Amazon slouchy socks with them. Okay. But it's it's only 30 here. It's not like horrible. Okay. Well, I'm going to look into all of these options. But should we take a quick ad break and get into our episode? Yes. So by now, you all know we are pretty obsessed with the brand Night. So if you don't know, it all started with an obsession with their famous Night Pillow. It is legit life-changing. I'm not exaggerating here. It is a memory foam pillow that cradles your head, but then bounces back if you move. So I've had mine for several years now, way before we ever worked with them. And I just, I love this pillow so much. And I was more skeptical because I'm already a pretty good sleeper, but I have to agree, it is amazing. And it's not just about comfort, although that's obviously the most important part for me. Knight is also a beauty textiles company. I hadn't heard that word before, but what that means is that Night focuses on products that interact with your skin and your hair for long periods of time. So their silk products have major beauty benefits. So think of a pillowcase that extends a blowout or a face mask that helps you prevent maskne. And with the holidays right around the corner, we think there are probably a lot of people in your life that would love something from Night. I think the pillow would make a great luxury gift for someone that you want to get something really special for, but you're not sure what to get. Um, I got both of my parents the night pillow for a joint Mother's Day and my dad's birthday gift a couple years ago. I am actually borrowing my mom's night pillow while I'm here because I can't sleep without it. I think I can say this safely because I don't think that my friend is listening, but I I got one of my friends a pack of the um, night scrunchies and I'm going to get her a pros gift card as a combined gift. Oh, cute. The scrunchies are the best. I am never without one. And in quarantine especially, like, 
it, they're so great because they don't pull your hair out. They don't leave a crease. Um, they're just better than any other ones I've tried. And another thing that I love that is super giftable that they have is they have um, their eye masks for sleeping. So my bedroom is really bright, so I always sleep with an eye mask on. And they just released a really cute version that has Zodiac signs on it. So um, I think that's such a cute, giftable item. Yes, the Zodiac masks are so cute. I really love mine. And I also love their face mask, the skincare kind. It has little gold particles in it, and it's so luxurious. And it literally makes your skin glow afterwards. And another thing that I want to stress about night is that if you are looking to shop small this holiday, they are a small female-owned business. So it's really nice. I just feel a lot better when I know that my money's going to good people. So you can take 20% off site-wide, off their pillows, off their scrunchies, their face masks, uh, off everything when you go to discovernight.com and use code BOP20. So again, that's 20% off site-wide at discovernight.com with code BOP20. So let's get into this book. Yes. First off, Spoiler warning. I was going to you- say – We always do the plot summary, but because this is a mystery, if you're planning on reading this one, I don't think the book would be fun if you knew what was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So if you haven't, like, I definitely recommend skipping through this part. So the book focuses on the Story family, who are a rich New England family who own most of Gull Cove Island, which is a ritzy vacation retreat off the coast of Massachusetts. So Mildred and Abraham Story have four children. Adam, Anders, Allison, and Asher, all those A names. And shortly after Abraham dies, when his children are in their late teens, their mother sends them each a letter disinheriting them, saying only, you know what you did. So now, years later, this still estranged Mildred story sends a letter inviting each of her three grandchildren to come work at the resort she owns for the summer. So the cousins, Aubrey, Jonah, and Millie, have never met. Their parents became distant as adults. And when they arrive on the island, it becomes clear that their grandmother knows nothing about this invitation. As news of their arrival spreads, the grandmother's lawyer gets in touch and tries to send the cousins away, telling them their grandmother is in poor health. Undeterred, the cousins are intent on discovering their mysterious family history, who invited them to the island, and why their parents were disinherited. So the book is told between present day and flashbacks to 1996, which is the summer after Abraham died and the last time that the Story family was all together. So after her husband's death, Mildred was in a fragile mental state, being held together with help from her doctor, her lawyer, and her assistant. Meanwhile, the kids were on a break from boarding school and college and were enjoying the freedom of going to local parties with Gold Cove Island townies. So Allison starts a romance with Matt, who is the son of her mother's assistant. And as the cousins settle into the island, Aubrey and Millie build a bond, but Jonah is really standoffish. So when Millie sees him eating shrimp, she knows something isn't right. Her cousin has a shellfish allergy, and it turns out that Jonah is a fake. He's actually a classmate of the real Jonah, who's confusingly also named Jonah, who he paid to take his place. The cousins decide to keep his secret, but it turns out that's not the only thing he's hiding. His family has actually lost all of their money because of bad investments made by the real Jonah's father. So one night, the cousins are out at a concert at a beach bar, and Millie suddenly realizes that one of the band members, who is also a bartender at the resort, is actually her uncle Asher. So he gives away by playing Africa by Toto, which has come to be somewhat of a family song. So he was the one that brought them to the island. He recently returned, and he's a struggling alcoholic, and he thought that bringing the cousins here would intrigue his mother and make her realize that she wanted to be reunited with the family. So the book alternates timelines and goes back to 1996 when Allison actually realizes that she is pregnant with Matt, her boyfriend, his baby. And Matt has moved on and is dating Anders' ex, Kayla. The brothers are furious at both Matt and Kayla. Eventually, Allison has a miscarriage, but her brothers are but the brothers are so upset by Matt and Kayla's betrayal. In their minds, they consider these two to be towny trash. And they can't believe that they would choose being with each other over being with a story. Adam and Anders take matters into their own hands and lure a very drunk Matt into choppy waters where he drowns. So finally, the cousins meet their grandmother for brunch at her home. And she's super chilly towards them and ends brunch suddenly when she claims she has a headache. 
But while they're at the house, Millie overhears a suspicious phone conversation between her grandmother's assistant and lawyer. So things come to a head at the summer gala when Millie gets tipsy on champagne and ends up kissing fake Jonah outside, and she's discovered by her horrified grandmother. But in the middle of this confrontation, Anders arrives with the real Jonah in tow. And this is where it gets very juicy. The cousins and fake Jonah are sent away and asked to leave the island. But unbeknownst to their grandmother or her cohorts, they stay and crash with Uncle Asher, intent on on getting to know the truth of their family history. Reflecting on the visit with their grandmother, Aubrey has a realization that her grandmother did not have the port wine birthmark she was told that she had inherited from her. So they then put things together and realize that the grandmother has to be a fake. So they rush to her house to confront her, and it turns out that Mildred actually died of a heart condition the year that the letter was sent. Her assistant, her lawyer, and doctor all decided to replace her with Teresa, the assistant, as a way to access her fortune. They cut off contact with the children so that no one would know. So when Aubrey arrives, Teresa admits their plot and burns the house down to destroy the evidence. So the cousins narrowly escape, and when they finally settle the estate, it turns out that the house was uninsured and the money is all gone. It had been spent over the years by the doctor, the lawyer, and the assistant. So that's our mystery solved. Yes. Hopefully you read the book and there were no spoilers there. Hopefully. Did you like the book? I did. I felt like this was the perfect us book because it's like a non-scary thriller. Like I got my mystery, you got your YA, and um it was a I thought it was a great book. It kept me on my toes. I didn't guess the um the twist and that made me happy. I kind of guessed the twist. We'll, we can talk about that more. I had a variation on it, but I was I think I was close. Yeah. Um, I had a variation too, but I didn't guess it completely. But I loved this book. I this is kind of my ideal thriller where nobody's in imminent bodily harm. Like there's a mystery, but there's not a there's not a murderer on the loose. Like nothing too scary is going to happen. Like it's like what happened to our grandmother in the past is a mystery that's not going to keep me up at night. You know, yeah. like it's not that scary, but it's still juicy. So, and it keeps, yeah, it keeps you engaged and wanting to read and find out, but you're not like, I don't know, having a, a panic attack about it. Yeah, agree, agree. So, yeah. this was kind of perfect for me. I like teen mysteries in general. Yeah. I mean, I love all of Karen McManus's books. And I mean, we're going to, we're going to talk about this at the end, but like the Jennifer Lynn Barnes books, like, mm-hmm. like a YA thriller is just like, it's like a little bit pure, but it's also fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that like one of the biggest themes in this book was family. Mm-hmm. And I thought that there was – it was all very interesting to me because I feel like the whole thing felt very waspy because, I mean, first of all, you look at the grandmother and I felt like it was such a disconnect because we have these flashbacks from Allison and, you know, Mildred seems like a good person, like not someone who's just going to like spontaneously cut off her her four children. Kind of. But you know what? On the other hand, if you're thinking of it from her kid's point of view, Anders and Adam both basically murdered Matt. They didn't actually murder him, but they like set up the circumstances for him to die. And Allison saw it. So she's kind of like party to the not quite murder too. And it's really only Asher that like wouldn't know. So in their minds, it's like maybe their mom found out about the thing that they did and doesn't want to talk to them. So they were all like guilty in some way too, that it wasn't like, oh, how could this have happened? Allison was like, oh, like I got pregnant when I was a teenager. Her brothers were like, we killed someone. I don't know. Yeah. No, I guess that makes sense. I just, I felt like it was very, it was like no one was communicating. And I don't know, for me, I felt like, why didn't the kids go down to the island when they found out they were were disinherited to, like, try and, like, smooth things over? I think, like, they did say that they tried to get in contact with her, but she wouldn't talk to them, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with money, it's, like, easier to stonewall somebody where it's, like, you know, this is obviously also before the days of cell phones. But, you know, like, you call the house, the assistant picks up and is, like, she doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah, I guess. I just think it was my family. Like my parents would have like, I'm thinking of my grandmother in New Jersey. My parents would have been like in the car, like we're going to see her and figure this out. Mm -hmm. I also thought that it was interesting that this whole trauma called the caused the kids to estrange from each other. Yeah, kind of. I can see. 
I can see that too, though. I mean, I'm just kind of like following the the narrative thread and like playing devil's advocate a little. But, you know, I think like with the parents, they were all so sour about how they grew up being so, so rich. And then like it was pulled out from under them that I could kind of see them being like sour to each other, too. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that it felt very, very sad that they had this terrible thing happen and get disinherited. Four kids like stopped talking to each other. And then the grandchildren all grew up not knowing each other. Totally. And also, though, another defense is that Ander sounded awful. So I don't know why anyone would want to be close with him. That's true. And then Jonah felt so strongly about not going that he paid someone. I know. Well, it sounded like he had – he was like, this is all going to be a waste of time. So I want to go to – like, it wasn't space camp, but it was like basically space camp instead. I just think that the family dynamic all made me very sad because I was just like, fix it. Like, you're a family. Like, I don't know. That wouldn't be a very interesting book. That's why we have to go on this journey with them. I know. I know. You have to start with problematic, messy characters. That is true. And it does – get better. And I feel like they're all in a a better place um, for the next book if there was one. Not to jump ahead, but it did really make me happy when Allison and Asher especially reconciled at the end. Yeah, same, same. And especially because he was the one who had the least to do with anything. Yeah, he was kind of innocent. Right. Yeah. Well, of the next generation, which of the cousins did you like the most or relate to? Um, I liked Millie the most. Like, definitely. Me too. I found her, her the most likable. I found her the most relatable. Um, I felt I found myself just feeling sad for Aubrey a lot. Um, and then Jonah, like, I mean, Jonah wasn't a real cousin. Jonah's character was interesting. Like, he had that whole, like, revenge kind of motive. I liked Millie the most, too. I thought that she was really fun, and I really liked her dynamic with Aubrey, that mm-hmm. Aubrey was um, – didn't have a lot of self-confidence and was kind of in this bad relationship and and just like didn't think much of herself. And Millie was kind of the one like hyping her up and showing her that she had so much going for her. And and I really liked that story dynamic. Yes, I did too. I thought that the Millie and Aubrey relationship was really sweet. It was like they both got a sister out of this terrible situation in mm-hmm. a way. Do you want to know something really sad? What? I feel like the person that I most related to was Allison and so I'm like, what does that say when you're like reading a, a YA book and like the person you most relate to is the mom? Well, that was a thing for me. Like when they were alternating back to 1996, like I graduated high school in 99. Like I am not that much younger than these parents. Well, it's also like the more time goes by when you rewatch Gossip Girl, you're like, oh, I'm closer in age to the parents and the kids now. Oh, Yeah. It's like the big conundrum I always say. It's like Rufus looks pretty hot, but like so does Chuck Bass. Like, <laughs> ew. So that made me feel a little old to be Am like. Am I a pervert? Yeah. To be like, I think the character that I relate to the most is the mom in this YA story. Yeah, well, I agree. Um, I also love the setting. I love that it was on this, I th- I'm pretty sure it's a fake island off the coast of Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket, like kind of in that same area. Um, yeah. They took the ferry from Hyannis. Yeah. So, yeah, that made me happy having grown up on Cape Cod. And I also just loved how it was described where it was like the more low-key, like under-the-radar type island. And it was like, you know, like the the unofficial uniform was like the GCI shirt that I could totally like picture in my head. I really liked it. I actually – I've been to Martha's Vineyard once and I've never been to Nantucket. So I don't have any like personal connection, but I just like – I liked the way that the setting was described. Yeah, it felt very um it felt very true. I've been I've been to both a bunch and obviously like Cape Cod is very similar to all of that too. But yeah, I thought that the author did a really good job with this getting the setting right and like the whole mood of the of the smaller towns. I just bought my first Alan Hildebrand book. Um I bought 28 Summers, which I think takes oh. place on Nantucket and all books are on Nantucket. Oh, they all are? Well, okay, then yeah. it's definitely on Nantucket. Yeah, it definitely um, is. I, w- I really want to go, especially after um, Carly was describing – before it happened, she was describing where her ideal honeymoon would be, and it was this great hotel in Nantucket, and I was like, I want to go there. Can I give you a secret? I just want to travel anywhere. But yes, yeah, so you can give me a secret. I don't like Nantucket. Oh, you don't? Do you like Martha's Vineyard? I do. I mean, I like regular I- Cape Cod, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm partial to regular Cape Cod because that's where I grew up, but um, didn't feel this way on Martha's Vineyard, but I felt very trapped on – Nantucket. Hmm. And I felt like it was just so preppy. Like, and I like preppy places, but I just was like, I don't need to go back. 
I think it's very pretty. There's great beaches. There's some cute shopping. There's some good restaurant. But um, I think I've been twice, two or three times, and I don't like it. Interesting. And I don't know what it is about it, but I just didn't like it. I've never been to Nantucket. And when I went to Martha's Vineyard, I was probably 23 or 24. And we were kind of just in that like young party phase where we had a house and we like we went out to dinner and we like went out to bars a couple times, but I don't really think we experienced anything. Like we could have been anywhere. Um, yeah. You know, we went to the beach, but I don't know. I don't really feel like I got a good taste of it there either. Yeah. Growing up, we, my family and I would go, my great aunt and uncle would rent a house on Martha's Vineyard. So we would go visit them. But also in my first job out of college, my old coworker and good friend had a house on Chappaquiddick, which is called Chappie, which is what those blankets are named after. Oh. And Chappaquiddick is like this tiny little island off of the coast of Martha's Vineyard. And you have to take, a, you, you can take like a car ferry to get there. Mm-hmm. And it is the cutest place. And we were kind of similar to you, like in that like drinking and partying mode and just like had the best time at this house, like for like a long weekend. Then we would take the little ferry into town to um, go to the bars. It was it was a great, like, I loved Chappie. I would love to, like, I don't know. I don't want to say I'd want to have a house there because it's so inconvenient to get to, but it was awesome. Oh, I've never even heard of that. It's so cute. Okay. Let's get into the book, though. Yeah. yeah okay. We're getting sidetracked. So what what was your theory of what happened? I was really focused on the lawyer. Okay. I was like, something something's off with the lawyer. And in my theory, Mildred had gotten like really senile and like the lawyer and and Teresa's sister slash fake Teresa um, had conspired together and they were doing something evil to Mildred. Like maybe in my head, maybe they were like giving her medicine. Okay. That was mine. Okay. That was mine. The doctor. Because of the doctor. I thought the doctor would have played more of a role and it sounded like he more so falsified documents than actually like did anything because I was thinking that there was like some kind of like long-term like drugging situation. So what I thought was that I I did think that – so when Matt Ryan got Allison pregnant and the brother's more or less killed him. I thought that Teresa hatched this revenge plan with the lawyer and the doctor to like get back at her and was basically like kidnapping her, like keeping her host, holding her hostage in her own house and that they were like drugging her to like a severe level so that she couldn't do anything. But then at the beginning of the book, it says that, that the grandmother comes to the hotel, like, you know, few and far between. But whenever she does, she's like really pleasant and nice. So I was like, okay, so then like, you know, once a month, they like wean her off whatever cocktail of drug she's on, parade her around in like a docile state and then like go back home and drug her. That's what I thought. Like I thought that something was off and they were like, a, like it was like elder abuse. Yes, to yes, her. me too. That's what I thought too. I thought yeah. that the doctor was like way more party to the the plan yeah. when it he was, but it sounded like it was more so like Teresa and the lawyer. Totally. Because I felt like the lawyer was I, – I thought maybe the lawyer was kind of a red herring because he seemed so suspicious that I was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe he's not as bad as they're making him seem. And it's actually like the doctor is the evil guy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, um, I definitely thought the book was going to get scarier. Oh, you did? Like I thought someone was going to die. Uh, who? I don't know. I thought I, I just thought there was going to be murder. Oh, like no, gonna, I felt I felt pretty safe throughout. I also feel safer. I'm such a weenie about scary books, but I also feel safer when like the bad thing happened in the past. So also, again, you kind of know with Karen McManus or with Jennifer Lynn Barnes or like those YA thriller authors that it's not it's not probably going to be that scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we keep talking about this, let's take another quick break to talk about a great sponsor. So today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers professional therapy online via chat, video, or phone, so you can talk to a licensed counselor from the comfort of your couch. I think we can all agree that 2020 has definitely been quite a year. Um, So we really love that BetterHelp offers private, affordable online counseling when you need it without having to leave your house. And something we both think is really cool is that BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. 
And they have licensed professional counselors who are specialized in everything from depression, stress, and anxiety to relationships, trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem issues. Yes. And you can start talking to your therapist in under 24 hours. And you'll be able to message them anytime to get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you're able to schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Um, and the best part is that it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. I think that's really cool that you can text with them, that you can chat with them, that you can get on-demand answers to work through a problem instead of needing to save up anything you want to talk about for the whole week. Yes, I agree. And they are really committed to facilitating great matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. And if you're still skeptical, you should definitely check out the testimonials that they have on their website. So I was reading through these, and it's just really clear that their patients are really happy with them and that they've helped so many people. It's, it's truly incredible. And anything you share is, of course, always confidential. So we want you to start living a happier life today. And as a Bad on Paper listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash badonpaper. Join over a million people taking charge of their mental health. So again, that's betterhelp.com slash badonpaper. Back to the episode. So do you know the plot twist that I did not see coming was fake Jonah? Yes. I did know. you know that? I did not know. I thought it was like when she when Millie was like, huh, I didn't think he'd be this good looking. I, I kind of took like a mental note and I was like, let's like flag this information for later. But I didn't like get there. No, neither did I. Yeah. Not at all. Um, I didn't love the Millie and Jonah relationship. It was kind of creepy. I mean, obviously they weren't related in any way. But the whole thing had been like there had been like a little bit of flirtation between them before we found out he was a fake. And then afterwards, they were like full blown like together. Um, yeah. I was like, this is kind of creepy. Even if you're not cousins, yeah. like everyone else thinks you're cousins. This is weird. Yeah, I know. It had it definitely had a little bit of an ick factor. <laughs> yeah, it totally did. Also, I I said this – I alluded to this in the plot summary, but, like, why was he also named Jonah? It was so confusing. I know. And it was, like, Jonah's not such a common name that it's, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, tons of Johns around. Like, that makes sense. You're, like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Anyway. um, Yeah, I agree. What about the siblings – roles as as kids and how they affected them as adults. I thought this was really interesting. And again, maybe it's like being too old for these YA thrillers that I'm like very interested in like the emotional complexities of the adults. But I thought this was so, so interesting, like especially with Adam, who was Aubrey's father, and he was kind of like always the golden boy as a teenager. And then he grows up and he like has no work ethic and he writes this book that isn't successful and he's like mad at the world that it's not successful and he like never really gets a job. His wife kind of just supports him. Like I just thought it was so interesting like his entitlement and how his like young life affected the grown up that he became. I think you see that a lot like in real life as a theme. Agree. Yeah. And it was true with Anders too and then – Allison, it, it kind of seemed like there was this formative experience of, you know, getting pregnant and then seeing her brothers kill this guy that kind of made her distrustful and, you know, she was just like a standoffish adult. So there was more something that happened to her versus like Anders and Adam, like I thought were really interesting who they were as yeah. kids and like what that meant for their emotional state as an adult. I agree. Sometimes, do you ever, this is such a weird thought, but like, do you ever wish that you could like, read therapy sessions from like book characters yes absolutely <laughs> like I would love to know like what Adam was talking about in therapy mm-hmm. I agree yeah I also thought that I, I really loved the Allison flashbacks like I thought it was really interesting and added to the book to hear more about what happened with the the older generation mm-hmm. yeah I felt the same way I felt it like it made it, it helped intensify the mystery a little bit because you kind of knew that Allison probably didn't do anything bad. I felt like it gave the book a little bit more dimension. Especially. Totally. Do you um, know what I did feel like was – I don't I don't know how I feel about this. So the whole plot line about Asher's alcoholism seemed so intense 
and like so much. And not to say that it wasn't realistic or that it wasn't, you know, to to incorporate alcoholism as a disease in this book, you know, if maybe that was the author's message to kind of destigmatize it somehow. But I don't know. I, I I never know how to think about YA books because I know I've read stats that most YA books are read by adults. So like yeah. maybe I don't need to be so scandalized, but I was like, wow, did his alcoholism need to be like so intense and such a plot point for like no reason? Like I really thought it was going somewhere. And that's the too. part that that bothered me where I thought that it was going to have like a really big payoff where Either he like did something terrible that he was like drinking to forget in the past, or that like he did something while he was drunk that then became like a that he didn't remember that then became a big plot point. But it never yeah. really circled around. Yeah, it just was like this big dramatic thing that had no meaning, right? For, for the book, and for he the was point of the book. he was so forthright about it with the kids, where it was like, oh, like. Maybe should you not be talking this candidly about this with like a 15-year-old? I know. The kids were so young. Maybe they weren't 15. I don't know how old they were. I think all kids are like so, so young. But I know that I wasn't that innocent when I was a kid, so I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I was really waiting for that one to go somewhere. Yeah, I was like, where's this going? Like taking, I'm, I'm always like taking little mental notes as I read. And I was like, okay, file this away, file this away. And then I was like, no, that was all just irrelevant information. Yeah. Yeah. I I did like the payoff in the end. It was like a smaller payoff, but I did like the payoff in the end that the whole fortune was gone and there was only enough money to pay for his rehab where it was like all of the other siblings were like more money hungry and they like wanted to reconcile with their mother for the money. And he Mm -hmm. was the only one who just like wanted to reconcile with the mother just for the relationship. And he was the one who ended up getting any like benefit or money from the estate. Yeah, it felt like he had, like, kind of, like, held out hope to, like, salvage the relationship, whereas the other three siblings had kind of just given up. Yeah, like, he was more pure, whereas the other ones were more calculating in terms of, like, why they wanted the relationship with their mother. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the ending? I f- – okay, so I liked it. I thought that it all tied together, and I thought that the part about the Port Weinstein birthmark was interesting because it was something that Aubrey was so insecure about. So she would, of course, like she had heard about that it was something that her grandmother also had on her hand, and then it would be something that she noticed. So I did think that that was like a realistic thing where she like put it together because of that. Um, And in the prior meetings, the grandmother had been wearing gloves, and she only took the gloves off because um, Aubrey accidentally spilled coffee or something hot that made her take her gloves off. So I did yeah. I did like that because nothing irks me more than when everyone puts everything together and you're like, how did you figure that out? Yeah. So I did like that. Um, the part where they went to the house and, and, and then they decided to burn the house down, I was a little confused about that. Yeah, I was too. I was like, why did we need to do that? Yeah, where I was like, couldn't you just have run? I guess, yeah, why- I mean, I guess the the end intent was that like, for them to end up with no money, the author's intent was for them to end up with no money. So I guess mm-hmm. like burning the house down accomplished that. But I was like, this seems extreme. Like you saw her coming. Why didn't you just leave? And like, because the whole thing is they get away anyway. Yes. It wasn't like some, it wasn't like, I don't know. I think one person died in the fire, but it wasn't as if like the fire didn't seem necessary to me. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, I don't know how they Teresa pulled this off. Like, I'm just struggling because it seemed like Mildred was this very prominent figure in the society and the hotel and everything. Like, did did they just like look so much alike that this worked? You know what I mean? No, but I think they describe her as like very often wearing like big hats with like things on them or like sunglasses. So I think that, you know, if you strategically did this and weren't in public very often if you because it did sound like they'd made her Mildred appear to become reclusive, which would make yeah. sense, like especially that there were rumors circulating that she'd had a mental breakdown after her husband's death. So like, okay, the fact that she's become reclusive makes sense. And then, you yeah. know, if she's only seen every so often and she's like wearing disguisey clothes, like I guess you could get away with that. Yeah. 
I just felt like it, I was like, I don't know that this would ever happen in real life. Well, I mean, the other thing is that on a, I don't – this wasn't a plot point, but like on a vacation island with so many people coming and going, like maybe it was easier to hide it because there was less – there were fewer people who were there year-round and like – Yeah, and since the population is so transient, just people coming through, I don't know. But I feel like this is the kind of place that has its regular customers that come back year after year after year. That's true. That's true. I mean, I liked the ending, but then after reading the book, I was like, well, I don't know how realistic that is. I liked it. I thought it was like very – it was a very satisfying like culmination of all the hints and clues except Asher's alcoholism like kind of yes. came together and I was like, oh, yeah. Like this was really like it scratched an itch. Yeah, I agree. I will agree with that. Yeah. We've talked about how much we like this genre. I'm wondering if you have other recommendations of other like YA non-scary thrillers. Yeah. So I went through um, my book list on my blog to like through filters and I'm like, like, which ones aren't terribly scary? So I would say any of Karen McManus's books. We've also read by her One of Us is Lying, which we did a book club on a couple of In the years very ago. early days. Yeah. In the very early days. And One of Us is Next. Um, and then I would say the Jennifer Lynn Barnes books, um, Little White Lies and De- Deadly White Scandals. She I mean, has Little a new White s- Lies and De- Deadly Little Scandals. I just saw that she has a new series out that's in a different universe. Oh. I can't remember what it is, but I, I saw it on Goodreads and I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. Another good um, like teen YA one is Jessica Goodman's They Wish They Were Us, which I think you read too. I did read that. I really liked that one. Um, I also feel like for whatever reason, even if there's murders at prep schools, like it doesn't affect me because I'm an adult not at a prep school. So like I don't think that those are that scary. Um, Another one of that's in that same genre is um, All These Beautiful Strangers by Elizabeth Kleefoff. I'm not positive yes. how you pronounce that. I loved that one. That one yeah. sucked me in so hard a few years ago. I remember being like couch bound until I finished that one. I loved that one too. Yeah. Um, And then I would also say if you're looking for a non-scary thriller like this, not YA, I think a good con book is good. Like the talented Mrs. Farwell mm. that I – that I read. Um, Grace, I'm so mad about that. I ordered it and it is lost in the mail somewhere. It, they attempted to deliver it, but then they – and it says USPS will attempt re-delivery, but they never have. So it's lost. That's so sad. That's so sad. I know. I need to reorder it because I, I re- that one sounded so good to me. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think that that's, that's kind of my list. Okay, that's a good, that's a good reference list if anyone's looking yeah. for other non-scary or YA thrillers. Yeah. So before we get into our end matter, let's take one last quick break. Today's episode is also sponsored by HelloFresh. So if you're feeling totally out of recipe ideas, HelloFresh is the stress-free way to mix up dinner. So they cut out all the stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes. HelloFresh offers more than 20 chef-crafted, delicious recipes every week to help you break out of a recipe rut, try new things, and make any night feel special. So as I mentioned, I'm eating most of my meals at home these days, and I have been finding myself just completely out of new new ideas. So I've been working in HelloFresh boxes every couple weeks, and last week I did one and I got this steak with mushroom cream dish. It was so good. It was so good. And I also treated myself to a more comfort food recipe, and I got the jalapeno bacon mac and cheese, which was the best, most satisfying comfort food. They seriously have something for everyone, including 20-minute meals, low-calorie, vegetarian, and kid-approved recipes, and more. And I love that all the ingredients come pre-portioned so I don't have leftover wasted ingredients. In fact, they estimate that by skipping the grocery store and using HelloFresh, their customers reduce food waste by 25%. So if you've never tried a meal kit and you're worried about the commitment, it is so easy. You can easily change your delivery day or your meal plan preferences or skip a week whenever you want right in the app. They can also help you keep your fridge stocked by adding extras to your order like additional proteins, desserts, or quick meal options like their breakfast on the go or 10-minute lunches. And, of course, we have an offer to help you get started. So go to HelloFresh.com slash ADBOP and use code ADBOP for $80 off, including free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash ADBOP 
and use code 80BOP to get $80 off, including free shipping. That is such a good deal. Back to the episode. Let's get into some end matter. Please. What are you obsessed with on Instagram this week? I don't have one. Yeah, I don't either. I um, I don't think I followed anyone new. Do you know sure what the I... news that I'm obsessed with is that came from Instagram? What? Did you see that Jessica Simpson is working with Amazon and her – okay, so the caption was kind of confusing, so I'm not 100% sure what's happening, but I think they're adapting her memoir, Open Book, which you know we both loved, into a fiction, a fictional series, so like a scripted series. And then I think also in addition to that, she's doing another reality show, I think. Oh, it was the way she her caption on her Instagram post. She's like laying in front of a light up sign that says Amazon. If you want to go look, it was very confusingly worded. I'm hoping that she does a drop collection. Maybe she'll do that. Oh, maybe. But um, <laughs> I'm very excited for more of my best friend, Jessica. Let me look. I'm looking at this now. I also think her life would make a great TV series. The The oh. memoir, I mean. Oh, yeah. She wrote, I'm humbled and honored to partner with Amazon Studios to bring my story and heart to life on the screen and executive produce a fictionalized coming of age series about my mid 20s, a new intimate unscripted docuseries with it is confusing. Yeah. Two things. So I think it's like I think it's three different things, but I couldn't tell if those first two things she meant to be one. I don't know. There's a lot of grammatical errors that are leading me to interpret this message multiple ways. I agree. But I'm excited for her no matter what comes out of it, to be honest. Me too. I wonder if Katie knows yet. Katie's going to be so excited. I'll send it to her after just to make sure. Yeah. So we don't have any Instagram obsessions, but what is your obsession obsession? So I got that um, the alginous lip collagen because I felt like my lips were looking kind of old. So I bought it on Sephora. And I really like it. It leaves your lips really soft and like kind of plumped up. Ooh. I need a lip, like a chapstick, chapped lip recommendation. So I've been loyal to the Bite Agave Lip Mask for years, and I think they changed the formula. I just got a new tube, and it's not it. The best lip balm I've ever tried is the Kosas one. Is the Kosas one? Yeah. Okay. It's just there. It's like Kosas Sport lip balm, I want to say. Okay. It's in a white, an all white tube. It's the best lip balm I've ever tried. Now, is this like a glue stick type lip balm or is this like you squeeze it? Glue stick. Okay. Do you have one that is like more of a a gel or like a squeeze tube recommendation? Yes, but I don't think those are as effective. I think they're, Mm. um, I feel like the the um, sticks just work better for like cutting out chapped lips. Oh, interesting. I kind of feel the opposite because I feel like the the stick you put it on and then it's like immediately you need more in like a couple hours versus like the gel or whatever is like goopier so it stays longer. Yeah. Um. I mean, if you really want a goopy one, the Mario Badescu one is really good. Okay. Um. I like both of those. So apparently, um, after this episode, I'm going to go buy winter boots and lip balm. I'm just gearing I, up for winter. Yeah. I started testing the new one from Augustinus Botter, but it's I just think it's overpriced. Yeah. No, I don't I don't need an expensive lip balm. The closest one is where it's at. I think it's like 20 bucks. It's perfect. Great. I'm going to order it after this. Yeah. My other one, my other obsession is the um Chameleon iced coffee because I I, the coffee machine in here is like way too fancy and I just can't be bothered with it. So I got these cans of iced coffee and it's just such good cold brew and it it doesn't have any flavors or like shit in it. It's just iced coffee. I don't know if you're looking to experiment with different ones, but I actually love the Starbucks in the big um, jug, the Starbucks yeah. cold brew. I actually hate Starbucks coffee at Starbucks, but I really like the grocery store cold brew. Yeah. I had that in my apartment before I left. Oh. I like it. But um, I, I like the chameleon even better. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also have a food one. So I – okay. So a couple weeks ago, Carly on her Instagram story was talking about wanting peppermint ice cream. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds so good. So I went on this quest to find like holiday peppermint ice cream. And I ended up getting this Van Leeuwen one, which was pretty disappointing, to be honest with you. It was fine. I wanted it to have more crunchies in it, and I also think I fundamentally misunderstood what I was getting, and I thought that it was going to be 
peppermint bark, even though it said that nowhere. So I thought there was going to yeah. be chocolate in it too, and there wasn't. So I was like feeling very unsatisfied with fulfilling the craving that that started. Yeah. And the other night I was at Meckleberg's, which is this like gourmet grocery store in Williamsburg, and I was just picking up a couple things. And Ample Hills, which is this local ice creamery, and they sell like pints of ice cream. They have this ice cream that's called peppermint patty ice cream. Grace, it's the best ice cream I've ever had in my whole life. I'm not being hyperbolic. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. It's so good. It's like peppermint ice cream, and then it has their own homemade peppermint patties chopped up in it. And then it also has like a dark chocolate swirl. Yum. Oh, I'm now I'm now I want ice cream and I don't have any in my rental. I'm sorry. I'm upset that I've discovered this because it is so good. I'm also Yum. happy I discovered it. Oh, so good. Oh, do you want to know what I just found out? What? Jenny's delivers in Charleston. Oh wow. So we're both having we're both have some shopping to do after this. Yeah. So there's Door there's DoorDash and we have a Jenny's here in Charleston, which and I could just walk down to King Street. It's like a I don't know, 20 minute walk for me. But um I could get it delivered. Do they have your peach one that you like? Or is that seasonal? Um, that's a seasonal preference. Oh, they okay. do. They also have a really good um Atlantic Beach pie, which is this um it's sweet cream with lemon custard. And you know I also Yuck. love le- lemon ice cream. Yuck. Um, but what I want is mint. I don't think they have a good mint one. I don't know. I'm going to have to investigate. Okay. Well, keep me posted on text. I, I do want to follow this yeah. journey with you. Yeah. What about on the reading front? Okay. On the reading front, my audiobook right now that I'm doing, because you know I like to have a nonfiction, a audiobook, and a fiction book that I'm reading. So on the nonfiction audiobook front, I'm reading A Promised Land. I am probably six or seven hours into it. Like it's actually going pretty quickly given that, um, it's a 29 hour long audiobook, but like I listen to it first thing in the morning as I'm getting ready. I listen to it while I'm out on my walks. I listen to it just like hanging out at home if I'm doing like a menial post or like chores. Yesterday I listened for it to it for like two hours as I prepared dinner. Um, I just it's so it's so interesting and it's just it is giving me all the warm and fuzzy feelings spending time with Barack. Oh, he's Barack now. I thought he was your friend Barry. Barry, Barry, Brock, either one. I, ch- I changed back and forth. Oh, okay. well, like he he got to the part where he talked about like, you know, approaching Ted Kennedy to, to like get his um, blessing to run for president. And just like the conversation they had was so moving. I don't know. I just I'm re- enjoying it so much. What else then I finished. Reading? I finished the Star Cross Sisters of Tuscany, which we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. It's the it, um, I won't go get into the plot, but I loved it. OK, um, so then. Like I'm on a constant mission to find more thrillers written by women of color, and I often fail. Mexican Gothic came so highly recommended to me by so many people, um, so I bought it, and fucking weird, and I hated it. Oh, I'm so disappointed. I bought that recently, too, because it had been so recommended, and it, based on the description, it sounded great. What did you not like about it? Everything, how Ooh. it's written, it's weird, it's creepy. It's not like creepy in a good way. Um, I don't want to trash this book, but I did not like it. And I'll tell you, I put a poll up on my Instagram stories and so many people I respect were like, do not read it. It's awful. Abandon, abandon. Carly actually used the F word. She's like, put it the fuck down or something like that. Carly and I don't always have the same views on books, but yeah. So I just was like, you know what? I have like 12 books here in Charleston and I'm not going to read all of them. So I abandoned it. Oh, man. But I picked up. White Ivy by Susie Yang, which came recommended to me by several different readers. And this seems to be like a con, a con artist book. Okay. So I'm not far enough in to tell you much more about it, but I'm enjoying it so far. Okay. And then I'm still reading Joyful. Always. <laughs> Always. Just forever. Yeah. So the I- section about symmetry is so fascinating, but I will, I will not bore you all with this. Um, so I had a very big reading weekend. So I read three books more or less in the weekend. Some of them spilled over. So the first thing I read was Pretty Things by Janelle Brown. So Loved. Th- this is the book that Catherine McGee recommended specifically to you when she came on the podcast last, but I thought the book sounded really good too. Um, so it's about a con, 
like a grifter who is conning a social media celebrity. And I I really liked this book. And I liked how many twists there were. There were like a few really, really big ones. There were so many twists. And it, again, it, I, this actually fits the bill perfectly of non-scary thriller. Yes, you're right. Perfect. Like it's not imminent danger thriller. Yeah. So yeah. I, I loved that one. And yeah. then I read Swear on This Life by Renee Carlino. And this is an older book. And I've read a couple of her other books, which I really, really enjoyed. And I'd started a thread about something in the Facebook group. And a bunch of people recommended this. So I bought it. And she writes romances that are like misconnection, like second chance romances. And everyone loved this book. And I did not like it. Oh. And I have a theory on why I didn't like it. So it's about this boy and this girl who grew up in Ohio in this very like impoverished town and circumstances. And they grew apart and then they're adults in it and they rediscover each other. And do you know how Katie Storino talks on her Instagram story about how her least favorite type of movie is Dusty? Yes. The the past plot of this, it was dusty as hell. It was okay. super dusty, which may oh. also be like why I don't like where the crawdads sing. That's okay. less dusty, but it's swampy. But I think swampy is a cousin of dusty. Okay. Yeah, I didn't love this. It was fine. Like, I didn't put it down. And I it was super fast. Like, I read it in a couple hours. But um, yeah. I didn't like it. Okay. So then the third book that I read, which I really liked, is this book called The 10,000 Doors of January. And I'd seen this pop up a, a few different places being recommended by people. And it kind of had that magical, um, the night circus kind of vibe. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm interested in this. So it's about this girl. It's set in the early 1900s, which is historical fiction is usually not my jam. Like, I don't like anything pre like 1950-ish. And so it's set in the early 1900s. And it's this girl who is being raised by as the ward of the, this wealthy man. And when she's a child, she discovers this door in a field and she goes through it to another world. And um, then throughout her life, she's like discovering other doors. So I I just want to caveat this because the book started pretty slow for me. And if it hadn't come so highly recommended, I might have been like, I might have given up on it. It it took me like 100 pages to truly get into. But Mm -hmm. then once I was into it, it was so good. It's like that great, like magical fantasy type book. Ooh. Um, it sounds great. It was really wonderful. I really, okay. really enjoyed it. And so okay. that's um, – I can't remember if I said the author, but it's by Alex E. Harrow. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed that one. So that's what I've been reading. But we have a big announcement for you. So yeah. book club's early this month, but we also figured that we would announce our January book early if you are interested in getting a head start. So yeah. we are going to read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. So yes. this is this is one of my top five books of all time, and I've I've read it three times before. And last January, I decided that I was going to reread it every January. So I, I thought it would be fun for us all to read it. It's a very good New Year, New Me book. Yeah. So if you haven't heard of it, it is um, by Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and it's um, basically like essays about creativity and. I don't want that to, to deter anyone because literally I, I've never thought of myself as a creative person until probably this year. And every time I've read it, I wasn't thinking of myself as a creative person, but it always just gave me so much to think about. And I don't know, like I, I just found it so wonderful, even though I didn't think of myself as a creative person. Yeah. I read it years ago and I don't remember anything from it. So I'm excited to reread it. I'm so excited. I feel like it's such a good January book. So I'm excited for us all to start our year with something that is it's not self-helpy. It's just um I don't I don't know how to classify it. Well, I'm really excited. I think it's a good like inspirational way to start. Yes, the year. inspirational. That was the that was the word yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. So we're gonna discuss that. Uh, book club will be back to normal in January. So it'll be the last Wednesday of the month. Um so pick that up and read along with us. And uh, as Grace mentioned at the top of the episode, we're taking the next two weeks off. So we'll be back the first Wednesday in January. And in the meantime, uh, we'll be in the Facebook group if you want to hang out or on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. 
Yeah. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood and my blog is thestripe.com. I post there every day. I am taking some time off for the holidays though. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And my other podcast that I wrote and directed is a fiction podcast called Rom-Com Pods. And if you have some downtime over the holidays, I would love you to check it out. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.